all God's people said. Amen. Amen. Colossians chapter 4. Colossians 4, as we look at devoted to prayer. Devoted to prayer. Colossians 4. In Colossians 4, look at 2, it says, Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful, and pray for us too, that God may open a door for our message, so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ, for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly, as I should. Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your life, how you taught us through these words in the Bible, how we see in your testimony and we see through your apostles and witnesses what we should be concerned about. Help us to be devoted to prayer. I pray in Jesus' name. You look at that passage and you, you see that word, devote. Uh, Paul admonishes the believers at Colossae to devote themselves to prayer. The subject of this passage is not hard to discover. It's pretty clear. Uh, devote yourselves to prayer. It's not confusing. Uh, and I think as we look at the idea of prayer, we understand the basic concept of prayer. Um, but I, I think he, as he talks about this, he wants them to see that they need to understand that it is in regard to the Christian's everyday walk that we need to be praying about. Uh, it's not a parachute which we pull in, in times that we are in trouble. Uh, it's not a panic search for truth. You know, I need an answer right now, God, kind of thing. Uh, but it is, as he says here, so that you might be able to answer everybody about the hope that's within you. It, it, if you devote yourself to prayer, you'll be able to deal with the things of everyday life. So there are thousands of sermons and, and conferences and books about prayer. It's not that we don't have enough information of, of prayer. It's not a lack of knowledge. It's probably a lack of practice, that we don't pray as much as we should. I remind you that James was called camel knees because he prayed so much he developed uh, calluses on his knees. Uh, and that in, in years past, and many a pastor, uh, once he passed away, they would go to his room and find there next to his bed a, a rug, and in that rug, two depressions where he had prayed over and over again. That is not uncommon in years past. But I don't know that we still see that same level of devotion in prayer. I think in our society, we're more concerned about knowledge than we are practice. We want to know more about a thing than we practice a thing. Um, we're, in the United States, we're very concerned about education. So wrong with education. Um, but if all we do is educate ourselves and have knowledge uh, and not practice, that's a problem. So prayer is not really that complicated. You know that. Prayer is talking to God within the context of a conversation. I'm speaking to God. And as I speak to God, I share my dreams. I share my frustrations. I share my insights. I, I share about what's going on in my life. And I, as you said, pray my thanks to God uh, in your prayer for the 
for the offering tonight. We lift him up and we talk about him. So when, prayer talk, when, when Paul talks about prayer in his passage, um, he's referring to the activity of a conversation with God. But a conversation is two ways, isn't it? I talk to him, I listen to him. I don't just speak at God. Um, some people do that. Uh, they perfunctorily do that. You, you see that occasionally in church. I've gone to a lot of churches, and, and occasionally I'll go to church, Oh, my dear Heavenly Father, we thank Thee for the most blessing that Thou hast. You know, and you hear that, that we develop a tone, and we have a way to speak, and, and I wonder sometimes how m- much of that prayer is for God or the people sitting in the audience. Um, pa- Paul talks about prayer in a number of passages, um, and it's not theoretical for Paul. It is a passion for him to talk to God and understand what's going on in his connection with the Almighty. I, I, I think it was, it's a motivation. His frequency and intensity of Paul's life was motivated by his understanding of Jesus' experience here himself. The examples of the disciples not, not teach us how to witness God, but teach us how to pray. Uh, that was what they asked for. Teach us how to pray. Because they had seen Jesus, and when Jesus prayed, things happened. There was no doubt about that. I mean, people saw that over and over again. There was something about him praying that was different than anybody else they heard pray. It was not the, the long, pious prayers of the Jewish religious people in the marketplace. It was a conversation between a father and a son. And it was powerful. And they saw that. Jesus talked to the father because he wanted to and he needed to. I think we should want to. Not just check a box off and say, I prayed today. I read my Bible today. Uh, But that I want to talk to God. And I want to have that devotion and intimacy with him. So when we ask to talk to the Father, I want it to be like Jesus was talking to his Father. I want it to be like a child to a Father that it's so comfortable that I can talk to him, not in fear. In the Old Testament, you see a lot of fear in relation to coming in contact with God and and his people. And in the New Testament, Jesus asks us to come boldly and to approach God and that he is approachable and that he uses the word Abba, Father, a, a word for Daddy. It, it's a different kind of relationship than you see, I think, in the Old Testament. And I think if we understand that wonder and restore that relationship, uh, it would delight the Father to have us approach him that way. So first, first point, prayer facilitates intimacy with God. Prayer facilitates intimacy with God. Um, This idea of devoting yourself and being watchful and being thankful. um, I'm I'm aware that I share myself when I pray with God. God, here's what's going on in my life. The conversation with the Father flows out of the deeper needs of my soul. When I'm praying with him all the time, not not just in emergencies, again, 
But in the normal process of praying to God, I share with him who I am, my general observations about life and the events around me. Here, God, I'm looking at this country, and here's what I see. Help me deal with that. I I think we also share our opinions and thoughts and ideas. God, I I don't know why this happened, or she did that, or they did this. I, I, I need some insight, God, of here's my opinion about what it is. Help me if I'm wrong. I think I also share uh, my innermost feelings and dreams and frustrations. I see that a lot in the Old Testament in Psalms. Psalmist comes, David comes to God and pours out his heart with his frustration. Why, why do evil men prosper? You see, you see that kind of prayer. It's, 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 a, it's a prayer of frustration, uh, and it's not that we can't be frustrated it's a prayer of dreams. I'd like to see this, God. I want to see maybe somebody come to know the Lord or maybe a big mission project. Or, or you know, I share my dreams with God. I share my innermost feelings. God, I'm sad. I'm happy. I'm, I'm depressed. I'm you know, whatever it is. I share that with God. And that is an intimate moment I share with him. Prayer facilitates that. But the problem is when I neglect that, honest sharing of myself and humbly listening to God I am less intimate with God than I could be if I'm not honest with God and myself I will not develop the relationship I need now you know that's true between human relationships I can see the guy at work and go dude how you doing hey have a great day hey how you doing bud you know it's not intimate. If I sit down at lunch with a guy and he tells me about his kids and I tell him about my family or we talk about burdens or, you know, open ourselves up a little bit as we begin to trust people and they see who we really are on the inside and they can get past the fake smile that we sometimes put on when we are around people, they discover who we really are, what our burdens are, what our wishes are, what our dreams are. Um, and if I'm not honest with myself before God, I'll never develop that kind of relationship. I, I will go through the motions of prayer, but it won't be meaningful conversation. You know, dear Lord, thank you for this meal. Amen. <laughs> you know, is that, is that all I can pray? Is, is that an intimate relationship with him? I can I- I- employ the jargon of prayer. I can use prayer words, you know, like the guy who stands and praise the flowery prayer in church for everybody else. I can engage, engage with the exercise, but there won't be the enthusiasm of sharing with him unless I'm honest and open with who I am. The God. It, it facilitates intimacy when I pray to God the right way. But it has to be a meaningful, continued experience that builds that intimacy. Um, if I never uh, wrote my wife love letters along the way or sent her cards or called her up and said sweet things or went out of my way to show my appreciation and love for her, I would have never developed a close relationship. Uh, I, you know, it just wouldn't have happened. I can't expect it to happen if I don't share myself with her. And how can we expect anything different from God? Intimacy, prayer facilitates 
intimacy. Second, prayer fosters humble dependence. Prayer fosters humble dependence. When I come to God, I recognize I need what he knows. I need what he can give me. And so with that idea in mind, the very first act of asking demonstrates the necessity of an attitude of humbleness, a humble dependency. By the very act of asking, I need something from God. God, here's what I need today. Here's where my heart is. Here's where my feelings are. Here's where our needs are. Here's where the tragedy is. Here's where whatever it is. You know, I go to him, and just by the act of asking, I show my humble dependence on him. I need thee. We sing that song, I need thee every hour. Most gracious Lord. Yeah, it's true. That's, That's what we're doing when we pray. I think in in line with that, fostering humble dependence, exposing, secondly, helplessness and vulnerability deepens that sense of intimacy and humbleness. When I am helpless before God and vulnerable, I am at my deepest part pliable. God can do something with me. When I am humble and I'm intimately connected with God, God can push on the parts that need to be touched. God can chip away the things that need to be removed. He can sand down the rough places. He can can push me in the right direction when I say, God, what do I need to do? It helps me when I am helpless and vulnerable before God. I think the Thirdly, the act of asking builds a relationship. I don't want it to be a sense of, of debt. I'm not in debt to God. But I do develop a relationship when I go to, go to him and ask for things. Heavenly Father, I need this. Heavenly Father, help me sort this out. Heavenly Father, you know, however you pray. Uh, but by asking, you, you develop a relationship with him you would not have if you did not pray. But when I neglect prayer, and that same idea of fostering humble dependence, when I neglect that continual prayer life, I demonstrate a sense of pride in myself. It may be American to say, I got this. I got this. But it's not Christian. It may be American, but it's not Christian. We don't got this. We need God. We need him every moment of our life, in every activity of our life, to direct us in wisdom and to provide for us. Our Father which in our heaven, hallowed be thy name, give us this day our daily bread. That, that idea that I need something daily from God. I, I'm asking him continually to do something. When I neglect that, I think I've got it covered when I don't. When I neglect that prayer, I expose a spirit of independence which bumped Adam and Eve off course, right? We can do this. We can be as smart as God. We can be elevated. And that's what blew them off course rather than their dependence on, rather than going to God and saying, God, should I really eat this? Well, the answer is self-evident because he told them not to. 
but they thought they could get around God and be smarter. That's not dependence, it's independence. You know from John 15, 5, if I'm independent from God, I'm dead. I'm vines to be cut and thrown away. I'm not close to him. I, when I, I place my confidence in my abilities rather than the work of God, I fail. I fail and I become self-sufficient and arrogant because I think I know more than I'm willing to, to admit to God. I know enough to not ask God about something. I hope I don't get there. I hope I don't do that. That you know, I, I mean, I, I get it. There's some things I know. I don't need to ask God, God, how do I turn the switch to start my car? Okay, I, I, there's some things that are innate, yes. But should I go here? Should I do this? Should I say this? Should I buy this? Uh, should I involve myself with that relationship? I need, I need insight from God in that. And, and to think that I can figure it all out is an attitude of pride. And that, we know, creates a fall, doesn't it? So the Spirit of God works in response, I think, to you when you pray. And you develop that dependency. What do you say? Not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. It's not my might. It's not my wisdom. The only way that this life is going to work is by God's spirit and by him. We think that somehow in our day uh, that if I, get, if I buy the right program, and I've seen this in church, you know, if I buy the right program, uh, if, I, if I involve myself in this seminar, if I uh, have... Uh, a phenomenal leader that does this or that and I go to this or I watch somebody on television somehow I'll get that element that I'm missing in my life but the missing element I think in most Christians life is prayer that's the missing element again it's not knowledge you got a phone in in your hand I I can find all the knowledge I want now right all I got to do is google it you know what did we do before we had google we actually read books and went to the library. That's what I remember, you know. You know. But now it's like we can't go through a day without looking something up. Oh, that we would do that with God. That, that we would Google God more in prayer as much as we look to the phone. Maybe that's what we should do. Maybe every time we pick up the phone to Google something, we should say a prayer. That might change our lives if we prayed that much. If we realize the fact that we can do nothing without God. Three, prayer furthers God's work. Prayer furthers God's work. When we neglect to pray, we experience less than we could have enjoyed. We realize that we miss out on the communication with God. We lose something. If for, when we pray, it furthers his work. What is his work? Well, in you, his work could be peace. If I'm not praying to God, I'm not getting peace. I don't have his provision. I don't know his plan. I don't know the joy of seeing others come to know him in a relationship. I don't see them being freed. I, I miss my reward, I think, when I don't pray. It facilitates God's work in my life and in your life. When I pray, it facilitates God's work in my life and your life. It furthers God's work. 
I think part of the initial shock of entering heaven might be when we realized that we could have accomplished more if we had only prayed. There will come a day of judgment, you know, when, when God will reveal all. And, and I wonder how many instances it's going to be where he said, if you had only asked me, you could have avoided this or got this or been here or done this or these people might have been touched. If you had only prayed, it furthers God's work. Four, prayer fortifies the soul against temptation. Prayer fortifies the soul against temptation. When I neglect to pray, when I I fail to talk to God, the ideas of prompting from the enemy become more persuasive. When I'm not in contact with God, I leave myself open. I I don't have that that armor on. I'm not listening to God. I'm not prepared. Uh, I'm not intimate with him. His spirit is not flowing through me, and I open myself up to temptation. Again, go back to Adam and Eve in the garden. Had they only been talking to God instead of the devil, that wouldn't have happened. But it did. They were open to temptation. We neglect our interaction with God. Our focus gets offline. Hebrews uh, 12, 1 through 3 talks about prayer, and it keeps our focus on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. So he helps me uh, fight temptation. I think God wants a close relationship with us, fostered by talking to him. I think God responds to humble dependence demonstrated by consistent prayer. I think God uses people to carry out his master plan. It furthers his work. And I think we avoid temptation through persistent prayer. A lifestyle of fervent communication with God is the first and the last work that I want to be involved with. I may not be able to do anything physically, but I can pray. I may be limited to a bed, but I can pray. I may be locked up in prison, but I can pray. I may be hindered from getting into a community because of a locked gate, but I can pray. I may never be able to speak with the people who rule the nation, but I can pray. I am not bound by anything when it comes to prayer. I'm free. And I can pray about that. I, I can't honestly read the New Testament and, and especially the book of Acts without being deeply impressed that the New Testament church was wrapped up in the practice of prayer. Constant conversation with God. Uh, Paul has specific intru- instructions regarding prayer for every member of the church. He, he isn't so concerned about the content of our prayer, but I think it's the attitude that we come to. When he uses the word be devoted to prayer, that's an attitude. It's not content. I, Jesus gave his disciples an idea when he gave the, 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 what's called the Lord's Prayer. It really should be a, a, the disciple's sample prayer because he teaches pray. Here's what you, you want to pray. Here's, here's, here's some things you can pray. It's not the end all. I know a lot of people pray that prayer. You know, in a lot of churches, every Sunday they pray that prayer, the Lord's Prayer. And that's, that's, I mean, that is exactly what Jesus got on the Jews about praying something over and over and over again it doesn't it's not magical you know i looked at definitions about devoted to adhere to one to be an adherent to be devoted another definition was to be steadfastly attentive to something 
to be unremittently careful about something devoted to it. To continue all the time in a place is a word for devoted. To persevere and not faint is a definition for devoted. To show one's self-courage for something means to be devoted. To be in constant readiness for one and wait constantly on that one is a definition for devoted. I like all those definitions I can work with when I think about God and how I have a relationship with him. That's how that word is used, the common sense of the way that it's worded. And I think it gives some insight to how that idea, I can be standing ready and continuing in my prayer to God, devoted to him. Jesus uses the word when he asked his disciples to keep the boat ready for him. Get get everything ready. Devoted. Prepare. Uh, It it communicates the idea of of something being ready for use at any moment whenever the need may arise. I am am devoted in such a way that I'm, I'm ready to pray. Uh, it's again it's not an emergency necessarily but i do it so often it's just habitual it's at hand he told his disciples uh the boat should be ready for him in mark 3 9 i think it communicates the idea of giving close attention to when i'm devoted to something when the angel who was speaking to him had departed he summoned two servants and the devout soldier of whom were in the constant attendance upon him and after he had explained everything to them he sent them to Joppa that's Acts 10 see that there's that idea of that constant attendance to him when I'm devoted to God in prayer I'm constantly attendant on God God what do you want uh, as you look at the New Testament, you see the passage of Cornelius. He enjoyed the servants' uh, devotion to them. The, the source of power and the growth of the early church was the fact that they were united in prayer. They prayed together. It's not an occasional meeting. The early church devoted themselves to prayer as they were commanded to do. I think you look at the New Testament and all the women uh, Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers in Acts 1, you have this idea that they were, they were praying. You look at Acts 2, 42, and they were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship and the breaking of bread. You look at Acts 6, 4, but we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. This is not a foreign concept. It's not just Paul who came up with this. This was... This was Part and parcel, warp and woof of the early church was their devotion to prayer. Romans 12, 12, rejoicing in hope, persevering in tribulation, devoted to prayer. There it is again. Acts 2, 46, and day by day, continuing with one in the temple, one mind in the temple, breaking bread, house to house, they were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart. It was every day they did this. Every day. I think none of us would dispute the, the importance of the prominence of prayer in Scripture when it comes to practice. It, it's a whole different story, though, when it comes to my private life. How can I 
What stretch of the imagination, what belief system do I have that does not pray? I don't think it can be a belief system. If I'm not praying, I don't believe in God. I act like I'm the one that's doing something again. If I want revival, I need to pray. If I want people's hearts changed, I need to pray. If I want to see a crowd coming, I need to pray. If I want to see us of one mind, I need to pray. I don't think we'll cultivate an experience and the closeness with God from reading this if I don't pray. I cannot be close to God if I don't pray. Uh, it's not like I'm, uh, you know, people accuse Baptists of once saved, always saved, that somehow we believe we, you know, it's our, our fire insurance, we've got saved, we don't have to worry about it now. Uh, it's not anything in the New Testament about that. People's misunderstanding of phrases that they hear. But I can't develop a closeness with God if I can't pray. I will not practically cultivate dependence if I don't pray. I will not experience joy if I don't pray. I will not overcome temptation if I don't pray. It should be self-evident, but it's not. I don't I, I don't ask you how many hours you've prayed this week, how many minutes you've prayed this week. Um, but I think if you were honest with yourself, you would probably say, not as much as I should have. So let's make a pact. Let's pray more and be persistent about it and seek his face. And what he said in Colossians, and we read in the other passages, to devote ourselves. That's a commitment. To devote myself to something is a commitment. If I'm in a sports world, I devote myself to a way to do a certain sport. <clears throat> I saw this um, uh, run. Uh, the, what is it called again? The thing, triathlon. Iron Man thing. Iron Man thing. You know that girl that that had won. That was a Tulsan, won the ladies, you know. So she won the ladies deal this year. It was like 18 hours a week she devoted herself or something like that to over the past four years. That's devotion, right? Can you imagine praying 18 hours a week? I can't, I can't, I can't. can't I mean, she was so devoted to a thing, she was willing to give 18 hours of her life a week to that thing. How much time have we devoted to the thing that's the most important? We need to pray. What prayer requests do you have tonight? If you wouldn't mind somebody on the little sheet in front of